0: Here's what I hate, okay? Here, no, wait. um, I don't want to say hate. Hate feels like a strong word, and I'm not really a hateful person. I don't hate, I dislike. Let's call it dislike. I dislike some things. I don't talk about it because there really is nothing to discuss. It's my opinion. I dislike it. But there was a dislike there. Here's my dislike. When you are vibing your own way, watching TV, and you see a crowd not vibing with you. It wasn't just me who was feeling this way. I was on Twitter Monday night, refreshing my feed and working on episode 68. And, you know, just in case I wanted to add something else. But the crowd on Twitter was more hype than the crowd in the arena. That's my dislike. I wasn't there, so I don't know. I can't hate that. I can't hate their opinion. I can't dislike their opinion. But I dislike the way it felt. But hearing it, that all night the crowd felt like this, I figured it couldn't be that bad. I was wrong, I guess? Tuesday morning, as I'm preparing to post the episode, I said, let me watch the show first. I did. I was disappointed. Not in any of the matches, no, I was hyped. Instead, I was more disappointed at the crowd, at the dislike of that crowd, the dislike that their opinions were that they weren't all hyped up than I was. Why go to a wrestling event or any other sporting event and just look bored? I thought to myself, maybe they were in AEW territory, but they were in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. Nothing against Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. I just thought, if I would been there, I would have been hyped. Not as much as these people were, though. They weren't hyped. I thought to myself, maybe there was a dark match and they got exhausted. They were too hyped for that dark match, and now they're... Fumes are empty. I don't know. This crowd was not as invested as much as I was, or as I would have been if I was there. No, instead, I'm on the armchair in my living room watching it unfold. Basically, it was like watching your favorite comedian and laughing your ass off, and you're looking around at other people to see if they're vibing with you, and they're not. Which happened to me once when I was younger. I showed my best friend one of my favorite comedy shows. I looked over at him. He wasn't laughing. I was the only one laughing. Of course, it happens. You're not for everybody. Not one of them was laughing. Not any of the people in the crowd were cheering, were doing much. Anything. Not during the New Day and Usos promo. Not during the big old sea reveal. Not during the garbage scene. Y'all know the garbage scene. Keep that in mind. The IWC can be very toxic. But there are some things we can agree on. And it's when the show is banging. Banger after banger after banger. We agree on that. When the show is banging. Or when it opens up with a banger. Continues with bangers for reveal. And yet the crowd looks dead. Not dead dead, but just dead like, yay! Uh, Who is that? Really? We can all agree that we did a better job cheering from the comfort of our own armchairs than the fans in the arena did. Right? We all agree on that. If you already guessed it, yes, part of this episode I'm going to talk about that raw. Part because I only want to discuss my favorite moments from that and partially what transpired on Friday. No, no this isn't a wrap-up episode, or I would have brought AEW into this as well. This is just an episode.
1: You know
2: that I'm the cream of the crop. As far as I'm concerned, all this crap in the ring represents these fans out here. Who wants to walk with the liars? Talk about my family, man. Talk about your family. Oh, wait, well, you ain't got one because your wife divorced you and took your kids and they don't want to see you anymore, huh? He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes in his family. You don't know what hard times are, Daddy.
3: Even though lately you've had some sunny days, my friend, you still can't get the job
2: done. I am the Continental Champion, and there's a reason I am the title reason, making this the most relevant, prestigious title that WWE has, and I deserve okay, respect okay. Smack- okay. on SmackDown Live. Get-
3: bad times don't last, but bad guys do.
0: Welcome back, wrestling geeks. I'm Ernie, and you are partially responsible for listening to this episode that comes to you directly from under the apron. Before I go in on my dislike, let's start with news, shall we? Okay, update on the Iron Claw movie, which is based on a story of Von Erichs, a dynasty of wrestlers who made a great impact on the sport from the 1960s to present day. This comes from Deadline.com. They have an exclusive um, A24 wrestling pick. The Iron Claw from Cannes and Sundance Prize winning filmmaker Sean Durkin, who also did Martha Marcy Mae Marlene. Oh, that's a tongue, tongue twister. Okay, is getting a new dash of authenticity with the addition to the cast of professional wrestler Maxwell Jacob Friedman. MJ Fucking F is in this freaking movie already. He's in. Friedman joins a stacked of ensemble, which also includes Jeremy Allen White, Zac Efron, Harris Dickinson, Holt McCallany, Maura Tierney, and Lily James as previously announced. Based on a true story, the Iron Claw follows the rise and fall of the Von Erich family, a dynasty of wrestlers who made a huge impact on the sport from the 60s to the present day. While Friedman's role will be his first in the future, no further details have been disclosed. Durkin is directing from his own script with A24 set to finance and produce. Access Industries and BBC Films are serving as co-financiers on the film developed by House Productions with the support of Access Entertainment and BBC Film. Producing alongside A24 are Tessa Ross, Juliet Howe, and Angus Lamont for House Productions. Friedman has gone by the moniker MJF since joining All Elite Wrestling in January 2019. He's previously wrestled for Major League Wrestling, Combat Zone Wrestling, and Five Borough Wrestling. Having made his debut in the ring in 2015, and is represented by CAA and Activist Artist Management. Um, the casting is awesome. Let me tell you who's playing who. Right off the bat, let's start off with the patriarch of the family, Holt McElhaney. <laughs> I don't know if I'm saying that right. M- Holt McElhaney. Um, he'll be playing Fritz von Eric. Mora Tierney will be playing his wife, Doris. They eventually will have six sons, five of them who have passed away, and the only remaining son, Kevin Boneric, will be played by Zach Efron. Who, if you've seen pictures, you've seen this dude in the ring throwing jump kicks and moves. He looks freaking amazing. Playing the Texas Tornado, Kerry Boneric, is our guy Lip from Shameless, Jeremy Allen White. Uh, then they have... Stanley Simmons playing Mike Von Erich and David Von Erich will be played by Harris Dickinson. Uh They have yet to announce for Jack Barton Jr. and Chris um Von Erichs. I'm assuming because of how similar Liliana is in age with Zach Efron, she is going to play his wife, Pam. Um. MJF's role in the movie hasn't been announced anywhere, but he's rumored to play Lance Von Erich. Uh, For those that don't know, Lance was billed as the cousin of the Von Erichs, but in kayfabe had nothing to do with them. He took over Mike's place because he had Toxic Shock Syndrome. Now, with the inclusion of Lance, there's also a possibility they might cast someone to play Ric Flair, unless this movie ends up being just a focus on the real Von Erich family and not the storyline cousin. You know, um, Lance is just there for like a cameo scene, and MJF is just there for a little, you know, scenery chewing, and that's it. Um, hopefully, that's not the case. We get to see more of MJF playing Lance in there and being himself. Uh, shockingly, there's more, and looking at it, it makes me want to go watch the movie even more. I love it. Two people that I've seen two legends. One is Harley Race being played by Kevin Anton and Bruiser Brody being played by Cassie Louie Um, Don't know who that actor is but if you check out IMDB Cassie Louie Caragino looks exactly the way Bruiser Brody used to look. He is playing that part to the T. Knowing the history of one of them and how it plays out, though, it's going to be interesting to see how they handle these legendary wrestlers in the movie. Uh, Especially with Harley Race. I love watching Harley Harley Race wrestle. Tough fucking guy. Seriously. But he... Yeah. Okay. Like, I don't... Like him, like him, but I love his character whenever he wrestles. He is a fucking beast. <sighs> so, yeah, it's like I can't wait for this movie to come out and it'll be freaking awesome. I'm going to it as soon as it's out. I got some PWI 150 Best Woman in the World news. Uh, A few weeks back, the PWI 500 was revealed, and we spoke about them on this show with a friend of the podcast, Sarah Sweets. Go back and listen to that episode. I think it's only fair that we talked about the top 10 of the PWI 150 best women in the world. So, at number 10, we have Taya Valkyrie. Uh, For those that remember her in WWE on NXT... She was there for a little while as Frankie Monet. Hated that character. She wasn't even... I don't know. It was like, I like her as a wrestler. Guayla Loca. Outside of NXT. I just didn't like the way they portrayed her there. So, we have Tyle Valkyrie. Her stint in AAA Major League Wrestling. and Which she is the MLW Featherweight Women's Champion... And Impact Wrestling, where she holds the knockouts tag team titles with Jessica and Rosemary, collectively known as the Death Dolls, under the Freebird rules. Last year, she was ranked 126th due to her Frankie Monet character from NXT. See, I told you. Hated that. At number nine, from Stardom. Um, in Japan, you're going to hear a lot about Stardom all now, <laughs> throughout this 150 throughout this top 10 so here's one of them at number 9, Starlight Kid uh, she's greatly influenced by Lucha Libre and has followed the Mexican tradition and mass wrestler so she's one of our own uno de nosotros <laughs> she was ranked number 76 at last year's PWI 150 so she must have done a lot of work this past year I'm going to go ahead and look up all these uh, some of these 150 as I already know, one of the, a few of these 150. But yeah, they deserve to be looked at. Number 8, moving up from 15 last year. The Queen herself, Charlotte Flair. The controversial spot as she hasn't been seen since WrestleMania of this year. She took some time off in May to get married to Andrade. uh, We're in the middle of November and... We're acting like she's our Obi-Wan Kenobi, like help us, save us from this monstrosity that's going on on Raw and SmackDown. So most of us, she's in this number perhaps has to do with how well she did last year from October to April. But the controversy being also that she's been gone, man. Like, why is she at this top number when she hasn't been around that much? You know, that's the whole thing. But I love that she's here. I'm all for it. She's a queen. She deserves it. Uh, Number seven, jumping up from number 39, we have Saya Kamitani, also from Stardom. Also joined exhibition matches for New Japan Pro Wrestling. She is currently the Wonder of Stardom champion a title which she's held since winning it as Stardom Dream Queendom on December 29th, 2021 by defeating Tam Nakano. So that's another uh, wrestler I need to go look up. Saya Kamitani and Starlight Kid. And there's another one also on this list which I'm going to go check out as well. Number 6 Moving up from last year at 22, Jordan Grace from Impact Wrestling and is the current Knockouts World Champion. She is one of those female wrestlers that will fight a dude if she has to and isn't afraid to do or receive a high spot. Her year has been ah, chef's kiss, let me tell you. On January 8, 2022, at Hard to Kill, Grace participated in the inaugural Knockouts Ultimate X match which was won by Tasha Steele. On the February 3rd episode of Impact, Grace lost the Impact Digital Media Championship to Matt Cardona after he hit her with a steel chair. We talked about it here, I do believe. Zack Ryder, (laughs) woo-woo-woo. Me being surprised that this man was back and that he did such a heinous act throwing a chair at a woman. But she took it. She took it. And... You know, his wife is there also, Chelsea Green. Definitely, definitely can't wait to see them back on the WWE roster. Uh, Moving on, at No Surrender, Jordan Grace fought Cardona in a title rematch, but lost by disqualification after delivering a low blow. Worth it. He deserved it. (laughs) On the February 24th episode of Impact, Grace challenged for the title again in a Dot combat match but failed to win. On the March thirty first episode of Impact, she competed in the Knockouts World Championship, number one contender battle royal, which was won by Rosemary. At multiverse of matches, Grace competed in an Ultimate X match for the X Division Championship, which was won by Trey Miguel. On April twenty third at Rebellion, she teamed with W Morrissey in an eight team elimination challenge for the Impact World Tag Team Championship. But were eliminated by the major players Cardona and Brian Myers. On June nineteenth at anniversary. Grace won the Knockouts World Championship for a second time in the inaugural Queen of the Mountain match. On July first, at against all odds, Grace successfully defended the Knockouts World Championship against Tasha Steeles in a rematch. On July thirty-first at Ric Flair's last match event, <laughs> that 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 was a thing. That was a thing. I remember that. I remember that. It was a horrible thing, but it was a thing. Grace retained her title in a three-way match involving Deanna Perrazzo and Rachel Ellering. On August 12th at Emergence, Grace made another successful title defense against Mia Yim on September 23rd at Victory Road. She defeated Max the Impaler. Uh, Masha Slamovich handpicked picked opponent in a... Pick your poison match. Um, and Maxine Pollard is an awesome freaking wrestler. You're going to hear more of her pretty soon here. <laughs> uh, y'all know why. If you don't know, then you know, ju- just keep listening. You'll know. If you don't know, you want to look her up. Hey, don't look her up just yet. Wait until I talk about her. And then look her up. Not just yet. So. Um, At Bound for Glory Grace defeated Slamovich to retain her title Thus ending Slamovich's (laughs) Undefeated streak On Impact Wrestling And here we are in November Where Mickie James is doing her last rodeo stint Here's hoping they get to meet each other Number 5 I love number 5 Why I love number 5 Is for the trolls They deserve this one She has earned this spot she deserved the spot but most importantly as soon as the list came out the trolls had something to say last year she was number 50 <laughs> last year was her first year 2021 to 2022 her rookie year imagine on your rookie year and then to your sophomore year you go from 50 to number five and because all you do is work. People are going to get mad at this list. I don't care. Let them. Doesn't really matter, really. I don't care if she answers me the tweet and roast me. It would be a fucking honor. She is a queen. Roast me, please. She deserved the spot. She has earned this spot. She is 41-0. and 0. She is undefeated. And I haven't said her name. It is Jade Cargill. See? Everybody's all like, what? (laughs) People hate it. But that's what makes her so fucking awesome is that she is hated. Because she is... I guess you could say she is green. I've seen her wrestle a few times. She's badass. She's part of the baddies. I love this woman. I'm not going to tweet it at her like some people have, but, you know, got shot down. (laughs) But, you know, like I'll say it on a podcast. I I love this and people hate it. But in the words of 50 Cent, go ahead and switch your style up. And if they hate, then let them hate and watch your money pile up. She is living her best damn good life. Moments like these is when I do wish I was a rapper by the name of Bow Wow. <laughs> Who took a shot from the Queen because in the words of Dog Ziggler, that should have been me. Jade Cargill, Queen. Yes. Too sweet. Uh number four. Making a big splash from last year's thirty four. We have the man, Becky Lynch. She is currently making a splash on the Young Rock Show where she was playing Cindy Lauper. Gonna have a the 2 episodes, uh, review here in a few days. Maybe three episodes, don't know. We'll see. Uh, an hour and 30 minutes? Sure, why not. Had a dream match earlier in the year against Hall of Famer Alita at Elimination Chamber, but lost her Women's Championship against Bianca Belair, ending her reign at 162 days. Continued her feud against Asuka in April and challenged Bianca Belair for a title at SummerSlam, but was unsuccess- unsuccessful turning face again in the process and siding with Bianca Belair when damage control came out to try to attack. So that that was a saying. Uh, And if anything, I believe she's coming back soon. I hope she comes back soon. Uh, Jumping up from number 5 to number 3 this year, the current AW Women's World Champion, Thunder Rosa. Yes, I said current. Have I mentioned that I don't like the word interim? I believe I've said that so many times. I hate the word interim. Go back and listen to anything that I've said in the past. CM Punk, world champion. Uh was John Moxley. Interim. I hated that word. It should have been given to John Moxley in the first place if this fucking I'm not gonna say anything. I, I love CM Punk. Who am I? What am I talking about? Uh, he is problematic. I love him, but he is problematic. But at the same time, he should have just not been the champion while he was injured. Uh, <laughs> if I have not said enough times on here, Interim was just a second place. Hand me down. Good job. Here's your participation trophy. Sorry, Tony Storm, but it's true. Thunder wrote... Thunder? 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 Really, Thunder Rosa is the real champion here, but she's injured. So, when's she coming back? She's been gone for more than a month now. Um, I don't. Was CM Punk uh, gone for like that long too? If that was the case, take the belt away from her and have someone else be the face of the women's division. But AEW does things differently. Thunder Rosa's the face when she comes back from her back injury. Um, back injury is... Yeah, it's a back injury. People are saying it's not a back injury. Whatever. Uh, it's an injury. <laughs> she defeated Britt Baker for the AW Women's title in March and defended it up until August against Jamie Hayter. On the 24th of that month, she had to step away because of that injury. Yeah, quotes and all that. <laughs> she has yet... To come back from that injury, but when she does, it'll be all eyes on her and Tony Storm. Going down from number one last year to number two this year is Bianca Belair. Such an incredible year, undefeated as well until Clash of the Castle, where she gets got pinned by Bailey and Damage Control. On October 19th, Belair reached 200 days. As the champion, thus making her the longest African-American world champion in WWE history, male or female, she is still currently number one and woman's champion. Number one in my book. (laughs) And finally, jumping up from number seven last year to number one, Shuri from Stardom Japanese professional wrestler, shoot boxer, kickboxer, and mixed martial artist formerly competed in Ultimate Fighting Championship. She is the current World of Stardom champion, which she won on December 29, 2021, against Utami Hayashi Shihida in a winner-takes-all championship belt, which Shuri's SWA World Championship was on the line on that night. She was SWA World Champion, World of Stardom Champion, and Goddess of Stardom Champion, which is a tag team championship in Japan. She vacated the SWA belt on January 8th of 2022 because she wanted to focus more on both World of Stardom and Goddess of Stardom Championships. Unfortunately, on the next night, she lost the Goddess of Stardom Championship and is now currently more focused on the World of Stardom with her reign lasting more than 315 days.
1: You're listening to Mama Murdered a Podcast. I'm your host, A.B. Mama Murdered a Podcast is a podcast where me, the mama, will be killing it on the podcast. We'll be taking a deep dive into things that are hard to talk about and even harder to believe that these things actually happen in the world that we live in. This entire podcast will be a trigger warning. I'll be talking about triggering topics while I dive headfirst into a lot of the cases that I'll be covering. New episodes will be released every week on Wednesdays because... Well, because nobody likes Mondays and because Fridays are for day drinking and barbecues. Some of the case topics will be murder, of course, serial killers, like Dennis Rader, the BTK killer, missing persons cases, like five-year-old Summer Wells who vanished from her own yard in broad daylight in the middle of June in Tennessee in 2021, and especially the ones where it kind of seems like they just vanished into thin air, like Brian Schaefer. He walked into a bar but he never walked out. He's still never been seen again. I'll also be covering cold cases and lesser known cases. Join me every Wednesday to talk about all things tragic, murder, and things that happen in the downright ugliest sides of society. If you like what you hear and you want to support the podcast, you can rate me on Spotify. You can also leave a review and rating on Apple Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at murdered underscore mama. All these things are free and they only take about a second to do and it really does help grow the podcast. If you have any case suggestions, please send them my way you can send them to the email address mama murdered a podcast at gmail.com
0: hey guys this is ernie we're gonna get to the next segment in a few but let me tell you about dark fade creations okay dark fade creations would like to invite you to a new and unique experience in candles and wax melts they hand pour and create every single product using quality clean and safe ingredients Their candles are filled with romantic wooden wicks and made with a coconut soy blend of waxes for a safer, cleaner, and longer burn. The designs are unique and beautiful, but more importantly, they smell absolutely amazing. And the variety of fragrances have something for everyone. Hand poured in Grass Valley, California. Check them out at darkfakecreations.com. Link of the site in the show notes below. Let's move on to Monday. I've been trying to talk about Monday. Monday was awesome. The show opened with the Usos and Solo Sokoa celebrating their win on Saturday at Crown Jewel, making them the second longest Tag Team Champions in history. We talked about this before. I love talking about this. I enjoy talking about statistics. Statistics. Yes, I said it. Good. I don't have to go back. Rehear myself. I said it right. The longest reign with the Tag Team belts is 481 days. And at this time on Monday, it was being held by the New Day. In order for Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston to keep their record, they wanted to challenge the Usos on Friday night SmackDown for the tag team titles. All four of them again in a match. I love it. I love this broadcast. I have yet to watch that episode. I will watch that episode. The only match I care about from that episode will be that epic match. After I talk about this, give myself a little break and move on to SmackDown after I do this. So, let's hear what these guys have to say.
3: Yeah, yeah, Kofi, Kofi. Kofi in the New Day, right? It's the New Day. Look, Goose, we gave you your props, all right? Hell of a tag team. We're record breakers. Breaking down barriers, Uzz. Hey, man, multiple tag team champions. You got booty Up, up, down, down. Y'all merchandise lit, bruh. Hell, oos They on Netflix.
0: Yes, 11-time tag team champions. They're also on Netflix. I tried watching that movie. It was a choose-your-own-adventure interactive movie. It's called Escape the Undertaker. And you guessed it. <laughs> the New Day, all three of them, Biggie, Keel, Kofi Kingston, and Xavier Woods, Arrive at this haunted mansion occupied by the ghost of the Undertaker. Was he a ghost? He was just a supernatural being. Uh, it's really, I, I watched part of it <laughs> as it's described as the Undertaker has set a trap for the decorated tag team the new day as his mansion. What they don't know. The Undertaker's mansion is an extreme haunted house packed to the brim with supernatural challenges. It's up to viewers to decide the fate of these poor souls trying to survive the wrath of The Undertaker. IMDB gave it a 4.5 out
3: of 10,
0: basically. Yes, it was horrible.
3: Hey, I'll be proud of you. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you, too. Hey, wilkes ain't you proud of the New Day? For real. I mean, I'll be super proud, too. It must feel real good to be the second best tag team in WWE. Second best?
0: They're trolling. They're trying to get under their skin. This is how they feuded in the past. Can't forget about that rap battle they had where they put Xavier under the bus about being rated R. (laughs) I wish we could go back to that. We'll go back to that soon. I just love watching these two. Should I talk about second
2: best? Second best. What y'all failed to remember is that we still hold the record. That means that you are chasing us. That means you're chasing the guys who built this from the ground up. You're chasing the guys who changed what tag team wrestling looks like today. You are chasing first generation superstars.
4: Real ones.
2: Real ones. You see, y'all had people who were coddling you and holding your hand down the ramp, teaching you how to do this. Y'all got tryouts based on what your family members did before you. You built your legacy off the backs of your uncles, your cousins, your fathers, and your grandfathers. while we built our legacy off our own backs.
0: Speaking of being coddled, it's been recorded. But if it wasn't for the fact that who the Uzo's family were, they'd be kicked out by now. Case in point, all the DUI and the mugshots online. Tell me someone else wouldn't be fired for doing this already. Is this where to happen to Kofi Kingston or Xavier Woods or anyone else? You know they would be released. You know they'd come under scrutiny. You know they would be punished.
3: You don't know what kind of pressure we've been under, fool. What you know about pressure, huh? What you know about trying to make a name for yourself coming from a family like ours? They do. They do. You ain't never been in the ring of my dad. No. You ain't never been in the ring of my uncle. No know who you been in the ring with though. Talk to him. The definition of a true tag team. Yeah. The day one. Yeah. We the ones. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. Jimmy. Yeah. And Jay. Yeah. The Uso.
2: That's pressure. That's pressure. Do not speak to us like you know what pressure is. Pressure is sitting and catering week to week not knowing if you're getting fired. Pressure is building an entire YouTube channel outside of this company just to make sure you could get noticed at work.
0: Up, up, down, down. The only job he has now due to G4 TV shutting down about a month ago. It didn't even last a year, but Woods was having fun there. It was his second home. I for sure thought if Woods were to get released, he wouldn't have to worry anymore, but now he does. Now G4 is out of business. They're done
2: pressure pressure is putting together the most important three-man group to ever step foot in wrestling and come in and getting booed for it don't you dare talk to us about pressure. You hear that? You hear that? They know about the pressure because these people know, every single one of them knows that that pressure is what turned us into diamonds. Diamonds? Diamonds, huh? Diamonds.
3: You talking about those diamonds that used to be in your crown, King Woods? That's what he's talking about. You talking about that crown that my man Jay stomped to the ground? No, no. The real Kings got the crowns now. On my shoulders. And you, Kofi. If the Usos never forfeited that match, there would have never been no Kofi mania. Run it back. Yeah, we gave you that chance. We're having your kids run around the ring with you, taking nice pictures. So you're welcome, Kofi. You're welcome. Matter of fact,
0: WrestleMania 35. In 2019, Kofi Kingston main evented against Brian Danielson and won the WWE Championship. To get to that moment, the Usos forfeited their match against The New Day in a gauntlet match in order for Kofi Kingston to get a shot at the WWE Championship. Yes, if it wasn't for the Usos, there would have never have been a Kofi Mania.
3: Matter of fact, don't even show up on Friday, bruh. Stay at home with your kids and let us do what we do.
4: stay with my kids stay with my kids what kind of father would I be if I went home and told my kids that I forfeited this match to you I don't think you understand what this reign means to us to y'all this is just another achievement on your this is just a check mark on your achievements box to us it's so much more this represents a time when we were saddled with the gimmick of being positivity preaching preachers nobody should have been able to overcome that, but we did! it represents a time that we would come to work clawing and scratching and biting, fighting as hard as we could possibly fight to attain some semblance of success as a team in this industry only to be told by everybody that we suck, we did that! It represents a time that may very well be the last time that the new day was whole. And we elevated y'all in the process, so no, we will not forfeit this record to you. We will not forfeit this record to you. Nah, nah, nah. This Friday, we will defend the record.
2: I don't know if Riddle got the memo, but this is a tag team championship issue. And this clown still got the bongos.
0: And just as I was getting to the point, and to the best part, here comes this jackass. Matt Riddle comes out and they do this whole hit with my bong skit with the bongos. You know, bong, da, 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 da. But whatever. I'm sure you can find it on YouTube. Eh, kind of cheesy funny, funny for the kid. I'll post the link in the show notes. But that segment ended with a match between the Usos and Solo Soko- Sokoa. Solo, I'm just gonna call them Sokos. Soko? So-ko? <laughs> Solo Sokoa. Uh, Solo. The Usos and Solo taking on the new day and riddle and the bloodline one. 40 minutes of pure awesome. What do you get after that? I don't know. I'll have to watch SmackDown. Later that night, Seth Rollins comes out to do his U.S. Championship Invitational, which then caused Finn Balor and the Judgment Day to come out as well. Finn told Rollins that he is still not over what was done to him a few years ago, and that was Seth injuring Finn during the first ever Universal Championship match. So he wanted his own shot at Rollins. Basically, what Seth Rollins did was... A turnbuckle powerbomb but he did it on the outside he did it on the guardrail and Finn landed uh, badly he put his he's basically his collarbone was f- messed up something about his arm shoulder collarbone whatever one of them Um, moving on uh, just as Rollins was about to accept AJ Styles music hits the Bullet Club comes out they stand face to face with Judgment Day Seth sneaks out <laughs> the way he did. So he just walked, took a step back and was like, nope. AJ tells Finn they finally found someone to take care of the Rhea Ripley problem. But it wasn't that the club found her. She found them. Cue the sound of something happening outside the ring. And when the camera and everyone in the ring turned to look over, it's Mia Yim standing over Rhea Ripley. The crowd is clueless. They either don't know who she is or they're just in awe. I'm thinking they're just in awe. Oh my gosh, they're shocked. No, they really didn't know who Mia Yim was. Y'all just saw her like, okay, something happened. (laughs) Judgment Day in the club find the ring while Mia... Free from her retribution gimmick, takes a candlestick and takes out Rhea. Retribution, my ass. (laughs) In the ring, all three members of the club, two sweet Mia, I'm sorry, all four members of the club now. This crowd was awful. I would have waited for another week to establish her, but, you know, this crowd wasn't, wasn't into it. They didn't deserve this. We didn't deserve what just happened because of this crowd. I guess I'll pop in my own living room for her. I don't care. I'll live with that. Another favorite part of the night came when Damage Control and Bianca Belair's team faced each other in the ring again. <laughs> Bianca came out to tell Damage Control that they will have a match with Survivor Series and a... War Games match. Yes, War Games. I'm hyped. Instead of the back and forth between Bailey and Belair, we get two Japanese girls getting on the mic and roasting each other. I tried looking for videos. Uh, the video that I did find, someone was able to translate and put it in the subtitles. I love it. Here they are fighting back and forth.
3: That was
4: Oscar.
0: Telling the entire group in damage control. Is that so, huh? Y'all can't beat us by your true ability. You morons.
4: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> EO comes in with, You know, you always say what you want. How about you admit that you lost.
4: <laughs> oh! oh, Japanese?
0: Oh. Asuka with O. Japanese is it. You can speak
4: Japanese.
0: Oh. Io with, of course I can. It's obvious I can speak Japanese. Didn't you know that?
4: <laughs>
0: Asuka with, you can speak Japanese. I didn't know that. Io tells her, of course I can. Asuka says amazing, 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 and Eo tells her not to patronize her. This has the other girls on the other team just standing there trying not to laugh, but it's so comedic in its own right. People are still waiting for a one-on-one match between these two, these two legends.
4: Well, I know what baka means.
0: Asuka says, and this is all I'm going to say, and Cory, of course, understands that one word from the language, stupid, so remember, baka means stupid in Japanese, stupid, 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 stupid. Bitch! And right there on the video, on the subtitles, is the Japanese characters for Bitch. This was my favorite. I loved it. I can't get enough of it. And yes, I watched it several times for this moment. Asuka, however, gets offended. Punches E.U. in the face. This leads to surprise entrance by Nikki Ash, who comes in to interrupt and side with damage control. It gets better. Later on, she defeats Dana Brooke for the 24-7 championship after she is walking around backstage with damage control and she decides to throw that championship in the garbage. The title is gone. Finish. That era is dead. I'm so glad. The main event ended up being Seth Rollins coming out again to issue the U.S. Championship Invitational, which Bobby Lashley accepted in a backstage segment. During that segment, Mustafa Ali went after Bobby because he was attacked by him earlier tonight night for trying to announce he was answering the Invitational. Don't announce what you're going to do. Just do it. Don't tell people what you're going to do it. And how are you going to do it? Just do it. Bobby Lashley attacks Mustafa back. Throws him like he was nothing. <laughs> Hilarious stuff. Back in the ring, Rollins is waiting for any challenger. And out runs Bobby Lashley and they get into a fight. Which is broken up by security and Adam Pierce. Lashley puts Rollins through the table. Lashley leaves. But out walks Austin Theory to cash and his money in the bank. On the United States Championship when it's already an invitational. Make it make sense, please. Yeah. People thought they were getting a new US champion due to what Bobby Lashley had done prior, and as the ref counts, but Lashley again comes out, interferes in this match by destroying Austin Theory outside. Bobby Lashley leaves. Austin Theory gets back in the ring, but gets a curb stomp, and here is your winner. Seth freaking Rollins. Cue all the comments about how Austin shouldn't have won Money in the Bank in the first place. If not him, then who? So we have to go farther back. There were seven people in that Money in the Bank match already Drew McIntyre, Madcap Moss, Omas, Riddle, Sheamus, Zabby Zane, and Seth. Rollins. Earlier that night, Bobby Lashley had defeated Austin Theory for the United States Championship, and everyone's predictions about Seth Rollins winning it and doing a heist of the century number was right up there. But before the match even started, Vince McMahon announced Austin Theory as the eighth man in this match. His boy, Austin Theory, wins it, and he just becomes this annoying guy to interfere in all of these Roman Reigns matches and try to cash in but can't get it done. He even threatened the NXT champion Braun Breaker that he was going to cash in on him but that never happened which comes down to this. If he gave him cash in on Roman or Braun why not on a small title? He shot his shot and failed miserably and yes he shouldn't have won Money in the Bank but they wanted that youngest person to win Money in the Bank title on someone and Austin Theory was there. Now, disappear for a few weeks please. Come back, get rid of that phone and with a fresh new gimmick. I don't want to see you until the embarrassment of this moment is over with. Just come back later. Come back after come back during the Rumble. How's that? Try to win the Rumble. Make sure you're trying to win No rumble.
3: Hi, everyone. This is JJ, the co-founder of Good Pods. If you haven't heard of it yet, Good Pods is like Goodreads or Instagram, but for podcasts. It's new, it's social, it's different, and it's growing really fast. There are more than 2 million podcasts, and we know that it is impossible to figure out what to listen to. On Good Pods, you follow your friends and podcasters to see what they like. That is the number one way to discover new shows and episodes. You can find Good Pods on the web or download the app. Happy listening.
4: Movies and feelings. Pop, pop. Bring Your Own Popcorn is a podcast that dives into people and the movies who love them. Let us preach to your choir or stoke your ire as we spiral down memory lane with cult classics, jurassics, and other genres that rhyme with traffic. What we lack in education, we make up for with comedy, compassion, and camaraderie. I'm your host, Mixtape Majesty, inviting you to join me and an assortment of wonderful guests on fine podcast apps everywhere. Bring Bring your own popcorn. popcorn!
0: Over on NXT 2.0, they have unveiled the Rookie Fall Class of 2022. The group includes 15 athletes that come from the world of track and field, pro football, volleyball, and NCAA Division I gymnastics. So, let's meet them. Up first, we have Bo Morris from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. He's 310 pounds offensive lineman from Southern Methodist University in Dallas, Texas. During his senior year in 2021, he saw action in nine games, making six starts, helped the Mustangs to national rankings of ninth in scoring offense, 38.4, 13 in total offense, 65.9, 465.9, 14th in passing offense, 304.5, and 17 in sacks allowed, 1.33. Awards are College Iron Showcase Invite, Tropical Bowl Invite, NFF Hampshire Honor Society to Hayden Pittman. That's it. Next up, we have Hayden Pittman from Spanish Fort, Alabama played a tight end for the University of Alabama Blazers for his senior year in 2021. He's on the John Mackey award preseason watch list. Uh, Utilizing his extra year of eligibility granted by NCAA due to COVID-19, appeared in all 13 games for the UAB, making seven starts, recorded 22 receptions for 192 yards, Averaging 8.7 yards per catch, had a career high of 32 yard reception versus Jacksonville State. Olivia Ash from Maryville, Indiana. She's a track and field runner from the University of Louisville Cardinals. In 2020, she competed in five meets during the indoor season, cleared a season high 1.73 meter, 5 eighths in the high jump at the ACC Indoor Championship to our third-place finish, earning first-team All-ACC honors, finished second in the high jump at the Gene Edmonds Open and Notre Dame Invitational. Kevin Venturas-Cortez from Anaheim, California, tight end from CSB, that's Concordia-St. Paul, in 2021, NSIC All-Academic Team of Excellence honors, led the team's tight ends in total receptions, 10, and reception yards, 64, played in 10 games while starting five, had at least one reception in five games. His Twitter account is so special. Check it out, KVCortez7. He has a pinned video of Triple H making him an offer to go to Orlando to train at the Performance Center. Then the shot goes to the bus with everyone on this list, calling his loved ones at a loss for words, but telling whoever is on that call that he got the contract. The video of his introduction into NXT and followed up with the words, Arriva y Adelante, which translates to onward. I responded to his tweet with, yes, you can. Representation matters, guys. Next up, Skylar Clinton from Prescott, Arizona, former tight end from Northern Arizona University, professional indoor football league player. Uh, academic Notes, Golden Eagle Scholar Athlete Award recipient in 2021. Uh, UAB spent three seasons with the Blazers after joining the program in 2017, 2017. Played in nine games across the 2018 and 2019 seasons. At Mesa Community College, caught 23 passes for 441 yards and four touchdowns as a wide receiver. Finished with three catches and 100 yards in the season finale Valley of the Sun Bowl against Lackawanna College in Albany. He spent the spring of 2016 at Albany as an inside linebacker in Wyoming. Joined the Cowboys as a defensive end for the 2015 season. Frankie Streflin from Niles, Michigan. She was an outside hitter for Eastern Michigan University Volleyball. Her resume is out, Fritkins. Standing. I have the time. I made the time for this segment. Let let's let's give out all her achievements. Let's do that. EMU, Eastern Michigan University. She became the sixth EMU volleyball player to reach both one thousand career kills and digs and was the first since Becky Baltar, two thousand and two to two thousand and five. Ranks high Eighth in program history with three thousand five hundred and ten career attempts. In twenty twenty she earned the ABCA Midwest All Region First Team Honors, becoming the first EMU volleyball player to collect first team honors since nineteen eighty nine, named first team all Mac, started all twenty matches, including seventy-seven sets for the green and white, finished second in the Mac in both total kills three hundred and fifteen, and total points three hundred and forty two. Totaled double. Digit kill performances 16 times, notched 10 plus digs in 17 matches for the green and white, ended the season with 4.09 kills per set and 4.44 points per set, which led the team, collected 308 total digs, which ranked second for EMU, led the Eagles with 13 double doubles and recorded 15 plus kills in 10 matches, earned MAC West Division Offensive Player of the Week after a career-best 26 digs to surpass... A 1,000 career digs, and posted 23 kills in a 3-1 to victory at Northern Illinois on February 11th, recorded a personal high, 26 kills against Buffalo on February 25th, and collected her second offensive player of the week honor. Her 26-kill outing versus the Bulls as tied for seventh in Convocation Center history reached the 1,000 career kills plateau with her first strike up to match against Ohio on March 8th, Led the team with a season-best three-service Aces in a 3-1 loss at Miami on March 20th. Posted a season-high five blocks, 0-5, in a five-set win over Ball State on March 27th. Named to the West Division preseason All-Mac team. There's a lot more in the years prior you get the picture. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention that she graduated from EMU with a Bachelor in Business Management and pursued a Master's Degrees in 2021. WWE is just her backup. She is already a queen and we haven't seen her perform yet. Chuck Wilson anigwechi from Queens, New York, another standout from Eastern Michigan University. He is a shot put guy. He throws stones. Here are his stats. I'm loving it. EMU 2021-2022 to Indoor competed in eight meets for the Eagles. Finished runner-up in the shot put at the Mid-American Conference Championships with a toss of 17.42 meters on February 26th. Recorded a career best row of of 18.72 meters. The third best indoor shot put in school history at the GBSU Big Meet on February 11th. Took first in the shot put at the Wolverine Invitational with a mark of 18.16 meters on January 8th. Harley White from Clemson University in South Carolina. Her 2022 season highlights include 2022 outdoor season Yellow Jack Invitational jumped 13.12 meters in the triple jump. Jumped 13.06 in the triple jump. Florida Relays jumped 12.59 meters in the triple jump. At Tom Jones, she was a member of the 4x400 meter relay team that ran a 3 minutes and 35 seconds 60, tenth minute race. South Carolina, she ran a 23.80 in the 200 meters, ran a 54.60 in the 400 meters. Pin relays jumped a 12.91 meter in the triple jump at ACC outdoor championships. he jumped a 13.05 meter in the triple jump, and CWA regionals jumped a 12.82 meters in the triple jump. Rick San Alpant from Port-au-Prince, Haiti, University of South Alabama, he can squat 900 pounds. From his introduction on NXT in 2020 at the outdoor recorded personal best in the discus throw 43.33 meters and the hammer throw 51.56 meters at the Jaguar Opener. Indoor he earned first team All-Sun Belt honors in the shot put 16.47 meters and recorded a personal best in weight throw 17.57 meters at the Sun Belt Championships. One in the shot put, 17.43 meters, and placed third in the weight throw, 17.46 meters, at the Stamford Bulldog Invite. Finished third in the shot put, 17.35 meters, and sixth in the weight throw, 16.53 meters, at the Jaguar Invitational. Recorded a 16.90 meter distance in the shot put, at the Clemson Bob Pollock Invitational. One in the weight throw, 17.40 meters, and placed third in the shot put, at the Samford January invite. Leah Mitchell from Boynton Beach, Florida. She's a gymnast from Michigan State, four-time team captain and three-time MVP. Her career highs are vault 9.900, bars 9.900, beam 9.925, floor 9.950, all-around 39.375. She is a banger. Career notes, earned Cosita, which is college sports Information Directors of America, Academic All-America Division I at-Large, third-team accolades in 2022, becoming just the second Spartan gymnast all-time to reach Cosita Academic All-American status, which Angela Howard, having received the honor consecutively in 1994 and 1995, recipient of the 2021 Big Ten Conference, Wayne Duke Postgraduate Award, becoming the first MSU. Female student athlete to receive this award and only the second Spartan overall. One 23 career event titles with 10 on floor, 5 in the all around, 4 on vault, 3 on bars, and 1 on beam. She's a three time team co captain 2020 to 2022, five time WCGA Scholastic All America honoree 2018 to 2022, four time academic All Big Ten and Big Ten Distinguished Scholar honoree 2019 through 2022. In 2022, she earned Cosita Academics All-America Division I at-Large third-time accolades. A WCGA Scholastic All-America Award recipient also earned Big Ten Distinguished Scholar Accolades as well as Academic All-Big Ten Honors. And the MSU SASSS Scholar Athlete Award recipient made season debut on 1 15th against Bowling Green and Illinois State. Placed second, earned a new career best score in the Beam event with a 9.900. Tied career best bar score against Maryland on 2 5. Scored a season best 9.900 on the floor in the meet against Illinois on February 13th. Tied for the second place on the Uneven Bars event at Big Fives on February 19th, posting a 9.875, scored a 9.900 on the floor at Ohio State on February 26th, tallied scores of 9.850 on both Bars and Beam on March 5th against Western Michigan, scored two scores of 9.900 or better at Kentucky on March 11th, a 9.900 on floor and career high 9.925 on beam to tie for second place. Tied for sixth on beam at the Big Ten Championships in the 9.850. Posted a 9.900 on floor at the NCAA Regionals on April 2nd. Scored a 9.875 at Regional second round and Regionals finals. She is also a freaking queen, dude. That is a lot. And I only used the most recent accolades. I didn't go farther back. If I had gone farther back, this would have been a whole different episode. Anna Kiefer from St. Michael Albertville, Minnesota, coming out of University of North Carolina. She was on the track and field roster, and her accolades are impressive as well. Five-time NCAA All-American. For All-America 2022 Indoor Long Jump for 2022 Indoor 200 Meter Second Team or 2021 Indoor Long Jump Second Team ACC Champion 2022 Indoor Long Jump All ACC 2022 Indoor Long Jump 2022 Indoor 60 meters Second Team 2022 Indoor 200 meters Second Team 2022 Outdoor Long Jump. 2022 outdoor 100 meters second team. 2022 outdoor 200 meters second team. 2021 indoor 200 meters. 2021 outdoor long jump. 2021 indoor long jump. 2020 indoor 60 meters second team. School records. Outdoors 100 meters. All conditions 11.23. Outdoors 200 meters. All conditions 22.83. Indoor long jump. 21 and six, majoring in communication studies, honored as a team's athletic director scholar athlete for 2021 and 2022. 2022 indoors qualified for the NCAA championships in both long jump and 200 meters. Earned first team All-America honors in long jump, second team honors in the 200 meters, ACC championship in the long jump, first team All-ACC in long jump, second in both 60 meters and 200 meters. All-ACC academic team for indoor track and field. Outdoors, qualified for the NCW championship in the long jump, long jump champion at the Penn Relays. Also won long jump at the Duke. Invite second in long jump at ACC championships to earn first team honors in that event. Earned second team honors in the 106th place and the 205th place. And that is it. And we have Candy Cummins, a cheerleader out of the University of Minnesota from Kenosha, Wisconsin. I wish we could find out more like her accolades and accomplishments, but the university she went to doesn't have any information on her except for her hometown. You can look her up on Instagram or Twitter to check out those accomplishments. Next up is Brianna Ruggiero acrobatics athlete and tumbler from Sacramento State University. Next up is Jay Gentile from Ballswindsville, New York. She played forward for the West Virginia University women's soccer team. She played professional soccer in Iceland in 2018. Uh, academic All Big 12 second team played at forward in all three of 23 matches and started one, logged a career high 830 minutes of action, finished the season with 1.1A, earned her first career start and played a career single-game high, 74 minutes in a 1-on-1 draw at Purdue on August 24th, assisted on first of two insurance goals and 3-0 victory over Xavier on August 30th, tallied a career-high three shots and 2-0 win over St. Francis PA September 16. And then we have Monica Klissara, karate black belt martial arts from Canada. Alpha Magazine did a cover story about her. She says, I originally come from a background of serving Croatian descent. Born in the Balkans during war, my family fled to Canada in order to seek a stable living environment. She's been training karate for 20 years and have currently been on the national team for those, 10 of those years. She won the Karate Commonwealth Championships. It was a tough year overall in competition for me, she says. And one of the largest competitions was coming up, Commonwealth Games. Before traveling to South Africa to compete, I fell short of medal rounds in three competitions prior to Commonwealth Championships. Her favorite quote is Hasta la victoria siempre, which translates to Until the victory always. Do we have time for SmackDown? Uh, do we? I don't know. Okay. Only one match, and it's a match of the night, which ended up being the start of the show. Figured, why not, right? The New Day versus the Usos for the WWE Tag Team Champions, and it was a banger. Winners get bragging rights, and they definitely did. Both teams came with it, and both teams gave it their all. Xavier Woods came... With his A-game. The Usos came to win. And that's exactly what they did. 3D on Kofi Kingston. As he jumped off the top rope. Trying to do a frog splash. Still your tag team champions. The Usos. Which means 481 days. And they continue to be number 2. Until Sunday when they tie that record. But Monday. They will be 484 days. As the tag team champions. Making them the longest reigning tag team in WWE history. Notice how I say WWE. That's because on the NXT brand in the UK, Gallus still holds the record for 497 days. So we will have to see for another two weeks for that record to be broken. Anyway, the Usos pay respect to the New Day and they do the same throughout the night, though, I wasn't at all interested. The main event already happened. Why not? Um, so I fast-forwarded. Saw LA Knight did have an altercation with Bray Wyatt, who attacked him with a headbutt. Love that moment. Can't wait to see that moment in the ring. Shotzi gets a shot around the Rousey for the WWE Women's Championship. Sure, why not? It, yeah. Uh, Charlotte Flair, please come back. <laughs> Two matches in the SmackDown World Cup, Santos Escobar defeated Nakamura and Braun Strowman defeated Jinder Mahal. There was supposed to be a match between b and Zelina Vega and both girls' team members came out to support until the Viking Raiders music hit. Out came Sarah Logan with a similar Viking war paint look as Max the Impala from Impact Wrestling. Never heard of her, but the IWC apparently have so I decided to look her up and Wow (laughs) Sarah is definitely the wish version of this look in this way sorry Sarah Logan I love you but you know um, Max did it first I guess okay sure why not the bloodline closes the show is day 803 and the WWE world champion asked Indianapolis to acknowledge him, in which they do, he was about to ask the Usos to be acknowledged as well, due to them being the longest reigning tag team champions. But they get interrupted by Fight Night, <laughs> Broly, Brutes, Rich Holland, and Pete Dunn. Both come out and bring out their boy. I think it's time for our, our audio. Our audio. The banger audio. Let's let's do the banger audio.
2: Oh boys, we got ourselves a good old-fashioned
0: headbanger. They charge with the ring and it's four on three, but everything gets evened up when Drew McIntyre comes out to help the Brutes. This right here is how they end the show, with a little teaser at what it might look like at War Games. War Games. And that was it. I enjoyed wrestling this week. I thought it was awesome. Monday Night Raw needs a little more work. I like where they're going with the whole throwing the 24/7 championship in the trash. It was fun while it lasted, but we won't we don't want to see that anymore. We want to see some actual wrestling now. Lots of more action on NXT pretty soon. The WarGames teaser has me wanting more. I can't wait to see who else is on Bianca Belair's team and team damage, control, who do you think it's going to be? Whether Either way, it's going to be fun. And that's it. That's going to do it for me here tonight. Hope you all enjoyed this episode. Thank you for listening to the show and supporting us. You can find us on other sort of social platforms at our Linktree at linktree.com forward slash from under the apron. It has the link to our network, our Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, socials, Plus, our Good Pods, Spotify, and iTunes accounts, where you can listen to us as well. Leave us a comment or our five-star review, which helps us be discovered by other fans of wrestling and podcasts. Check out the show notes for links to other podcast trailers that you heard on this episode. Send us a message of your favorite wrestling stories, questions, comments, ratings, or requests by email. It is from under the apron at gmail.com, and I will do my best to get to them and answer accordingly. Also, click on the link tree if you want to support our podcast. So far, we have a few supporters, and I'm making it a habit for those few supporters to know any updates I make with the podcast or new episodes. They're kind of like our VIP wrestling geeks. They get the over the card for our treatment, if you will, They so immediately know when our shows are posted or when we plan our recording. Thank you for listening and being a huge part of the community. Have a great weekend. I'm Ernie, and I didn't even get to say this was episode 69 without laughing so long and good night love you all